Hi, I'm your host, and you're listening to The Other Side with Ryan Chowdhury, a show where I sit down and have a conversation with people who've made it or have the drive to make it and try to see their side of the story. Ladies and gentlemen, today we're joined by one of the most prolific Bangali directors of our generation. He has worked with the likes of Kanye West, The Weeknd, Drake, Beyonce, Diplo, Migos, 21 Savage, Officer Jaden Smith, Kylie Jenner, ASAP Rocky, and if that wasn't enough, he also worked with the Shahrukh Khan. The combined watch time for his videos are around a billion minutes, and he does it all while being a man of the community. He is, of course, Mr. Shomi Patwari. So, brother, how have you been doing? I'm good. Thank you for that uh, very, very kind intro. <laughs> yeah. Always so, what we're doing out here. Yeah, so I know 2020 was a sort of year of reflection for you. So how has 2021 been going for you? Yeah, 2020. What's funny is my wife and I purposely, in the beginning, before we knew about COVID, we actually purposely took time off because we had a crazy 2019. 2019, we did a lot of commercials, had a great, great year financially. And then my wife and I, we both felt like we needed to a break anyways. So we took off three months because it's good to find a balance, you know, with the work and life. And so we took three months off, uh, I think from November, uh, December and January. We took those three months off and we were starting to hear about COVID-19. We didn't think it was going to be like anything that big. You know, we're like, OK, yeah. cool. Let's be, careful. you know, something to be aware of our first hint that things are going to be pretty crazy um, was when we were starting to do one of our projects with um, Showtime Television, uh, which is a network similar to HBO and uh, the U.S. And uh, we were doing a late TV show that my brother works on. And the plan was we were going to go do um, a festival in Virginia that Pharrell was throwing. And so yeah. uh, the before that, he threw a giant festival that a lot of people came to. Jay-Z, Beyonce, Snoop Dogg, Tyler, the Creator. A lot of, lot of big, big artists that never actually uh, ever took the stage all at once in, in, in a place like Virginia Beach. You know, Virginia Beach is big, it's nice, but it's not Hollywood, you know? It's not Los Angeles, yeah. it's not city. It's much more suburban. And so it was a unique experience in 2019. And so we were excited for 2020's uh, festival that he was doing. It's called Something in the Water. So Showtime Television uh, and us, we partnered up to go, you know, uh, do a whole Virginia episode. But, you know, being that it's Showtime Television, they have a pretty good legal team. And uh, we were starting to get warnings that this COVID-19 thing is a lot more serious than we think. And so that was my first hint. Um, that's, that's when I was having all sorts of fears. I'm like, how big is this going to be? Because at first I thought, oh, it's just like all these other um, epidemics we hear about, you know, coming from different places, yeah. whether... We've had the bird flu before, you know, like Ebola, uh, uh, and all these things you've heard before, yeah. and this be fine in the past. Uh, so this one was different because the media coverage was crazy, but it started affecting us because early on we had to cancel uh, that um, production. So that was my first gig that I canceled. I had just taken a three month break. I was ready to work again. First one gets canceled. Then we're about to do a New Balance commercial. Then that one gets canceled. And I'm like, uh oh, what's going on here? Yeah. It was definitely, definitely something to worry about. Um, so we had to figure out how to move safely because for us safety is a big thing you know in production many things can happen people get injured so for us health is first and so we were like you know what we'll figure out uh a way to you know be safe but it was so new we didn't want to have a bunch of people on set so we stopped our production 
I said, while we're stopping production, let me focus on something. Maybe this is a sign that I need to start focusing on my movie because I always wanted to write a movie, but she never had time. We'd always get busy with work. One after another. So I said, this is, this is our chance. Uh, I'm our best friend from high school, uh, Devin Jackson. Oh, high school for fun and scripts and screenplays and things like that. And I'm our wife, uh, Poonam, who's my producer. Uh, let's use it wisely. Uh, so that's when I said, okay, you know what? We don't know how long this lockdown is going to be. Uh, let's let's go write this movie. And so we decided to write a road trip comedy. Uh, there aren't too many road trip comedies lately. And so we were like, let's do something semi-autobiographical. Uh, it's almost crazy. This could be a great movie because some of these stories oh. are so funny. Semi-autobiographical from your own life. My experience uh, from right. college. Mixing up a little bit of all the drama and the craziness we've seen in production. So, sharp rock and craziness, such combined crazy with a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, things in my background. I'm in their family story to include crazy. Like, it's like my dad in real life is an accountant. Um, so, that plays a role. Uh, I'm her dad also uh, to more traditional in the beginning. So, there's that struggle there of trying to make you know, movies and films and trying to be in this industry. And there's that doubt. So all those elements with the shop comma and Kursiyama are life story. So it's, it's loosely based on my life, but also, you know, uh, original script at the same time. So we wrote that movie. Um, once we finished our first draft, uh, we posted, about, I, I made a post about it on um, Instagram and it took me about three months to finish the movie. Uh, during that three months, we weren't working. We were just strictly focused on this movie. First time writing a script. script uh, For a lot, the, a lot of people that don't know, for this field. So uh, anytime I do anything, I'm always learning something new. So we were looking at other scripts online, studying how they're done and um, took us three months to write this first one. And when I made an announcement that I wrote it, started getting a lot of attention from different agents and things like that. And then Ferg, ASAP Ferg, uh, his manager uh, saw the script and he said, hey, uh, why don't you write him a script for one of our new artists? He's starting to get really big. He just sold like 10 million records and he wants to do a movie. So that opened up this uh, opportunity to write a, uh, uh, this, this uh, other movie. So even though our current script hasn't, you know, been greenlit yet, it already opened the door just by announcing that I'm working on the movie world. And then, and, and I think that that's funny because I feel like in life for me, it's like, if you don't try it, it doesn't happen. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and then the work will come. And then the, that's what I, realized uh we did a short movie that we sort of turned into more of a music video and then that movie's still in the works but we already shot that movie and so uh, i think that's just really interesting because that was the big highlight uh of the uh production and then you know during that movie my wife had never also shot a movie she had done commercials and music videos so she was starting to learn how to do budgets for movies so it was an experience for us to learn new things. So it's really a unique opportunity to, to take up on a new trade. And it's always been my dream. Like the reason I do this is because I wanted to make movies. So um, that's what happened, you know? And after we did that project, it started opening up a lot of new opportunities, like one after another. Because uh, by the time we did that movie, we also figured out how to work safely, you know, how to get COVID compliance officers, how to get rapid testing all this new technology was available now so we figured out how to you know work uh within social distancing and all the covid guidelines and you know, work in a safe matter it was also different because i'm used to having huge crews and we had to cut down on crews to make something big happen yeah uh that sounds extremely tricky but at the same time very like a fun new experience yeah so, i yeah fun but it's a new experience. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say fun because, you know, 
mask on and it's hot. It's, it's, yeah, it's a lot. To, and, you know, you don't have true. all the people yeah. want on your set. Um, yeah. Challenge. I like a challenge, but yeah. Yeah. So um, you mentioned how your dad is tr- a little bit traditional. And I know that your uncle who sponsored you guys to come to U.S. was a radiologist. And mm-hmm. some of maybe some of the pressure from that firstly got you into studying computer engineering, right? So how was the transition from something like computer engineering to something creative, which a lot of people in this country want to do but aren't doing? Like, how was the transition from going there to there? Like, was it hard? Was the conversations uncomfortable? How did you, you know, decide that you wanted to come into this field? Interesting. The conversation didn't happen until much later. Uh, what I mean by that is in high school, when I graduated, I always had fun making short home movies and things like that. I always had fun, like, you know, trying to make music and beats just for fun, you know, doing entertainment, but it was just fun. It was a hobby. So my parents knew it was a hobby. So it was never something I brought up. I myself thought, yeah, this is what I'm meant to do. I'm meant to just be a computer science guy. You know, I'm in Virginia Beach. First of all, I'm in Virginia Beach. There's no industry for film. So it wasn't even something that I even thought was possible. And it wasn't until me and my best friend, uh, Philip, who was a classmate since sixth grade, we were doing everything together. We both decided to go into computer science together. We took the same courses together. He's like a brother to me. And so we would uh, study together, all that. And we both were kind of like, getting bored but at the same time we thought oh you know what maybe understanding computer science there is a creative way out maybe we can make video games or something but it's not that easy you know especially not in 2000 2001 it's not that easy uh so what changed the course of our career was finding out mentioned this before but there are things i'll probably mention here that i haven't before but finding out that Pharrell Williams and his partner, Chad Hugo, would they go by the Neptunes, uh, the production. They're from Virginia Beach. Yeah. So when I was finding out that the guys behind Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears, Gwen Stefani, no doubt, um, NSYNC, all these artists were being produced in my hometown, in Virginia Beach, where I'm from, blew my mind. I said, wait a minute those guys came from our hometown and they're all over the radio all the time. We need to go meet these guys. That changed the course because that gave me confidence that maybe I can uh, figure out a way into entertainment. But even then I didn't think I could just go in and do video because at that time in 2002, 2003, just doing video was something you did as a hobby. If you didn't go to film school, we didn't go to film school, you know, But what we did have was training in computer science enough to have computer knowledge that allowed us to create websites and uh, teach ourselves computer graphics. So we didn't have YouTube even back then. You know, all we had were forums and discussion forums and things like that, uh, bulletin boards and things like that to find out tutorials. But most of it was trial and error. Onik Mystic Banitam. Uh, amateur, you know, amateur graphic designer, amateur web designer, a lot of mistakes, right? But that's how you learn. You have to try. And so what I had to do was just find somebody that could be a project for us. And so trying to chase down Pharrell and Chad, we met another friend of ours named Jared. His, he used to go by a producer named Kid Icarus. I found out that he was one of the new producers that was working at Pharrell's studio. And so when we found out about Jared, I met him at a, a house party that my friend threw. We instantly became good friends. And I said, hey man, how can I make a website for you guys? So Jared had a local artist that was getting a lot of buzz. And so there were rumors that that artist is getting the attention of Pharrell too. So maybe you start start there, you know? and so. That artist, he was unsigned. He can't afford a professional website or a photo shoot or any of that. So we went ahead and offered it to do it for free because it was fun for us. We treated it like a hobby. 
but it started becoming more and more of reality. Like, oh, maybe we could somehow get into the industry this way. So it wasn't immediately doing music videos. It was multimedia, meaning we were doing film, we were doing graphic design, we were doing web design. So we were like, one of these things has to work out. So now we're in college. My parents are still like, you know what? If this is what they're doing to have fun, I'm not going to stop them. They're just having fun, you know? And me trying to explain to my parents, oh, Pharrell and uh, Chad and all these guys, Missy Elliott and Timberland, they're all from our area. Like, uh, and we might get to meet them. My parents didn't know what that meant. It didn't matter. And soon enough, I got to meet somebody from that record label. His name was Doug, uh, Doug Dozier. So through Doug, I met Shay. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Shay is the third member of NERD, which is one of Pharrell's groups, NERD. And so we met one of the uh, third members, which it was my favorite band at the time because it was Pharrell's band. And when we met him, I was like, oh, my God, like, this is crazy. I can't believe you're coming to my house. I'm trying to explain to my parents how big of a deal this is. Like, mom, this guy was just on MTV. These guys are touring with everybody. And he's at my house. I'm still in college. And he's like, hey, why don't you make a... a a website for our next album that Pharrell's working on. And that album was NERD, uh, Fly or Die, which was their second album. I was a huge fan. Again, we didn't know how budgets worked or anything. We came up with such a complicated idea <laughs> that it never came to life, but we made a demo. And the demo was way too advanced for its time. It was like, if you guys know Final Fantasy, the video game, yeah, it was like, playing game with Pharrell and everybody where you could skateboard around near each. The idea was way too in 2002, 2003. And so their uh, record label is like, I don't think we can fund this project. This sounds too crazy. And it was a little bit of a letdown, but I always stayed in touch with them, you know? So that was my first like, oh, we might be able to do something huge and then let down, you know? And you're going to, yeah. I started that's going to happen in life. So that was my first big letdown, but we met, we went back to the drawing board. We kept working with Nick who we thought was going to sign to Pharrell. But then when I was on Pharrell's chat room, I met another friend who was Indian. His name is Anoop. And it was rare to find somebody else that was in the industry that was Indian. And I found out Anoop was into making music and he wanted to produce for Nick. So Anoop um, said one day, Hey man, I'd love to just drive out to Virginia Beach and meet you. He lived in New Jersey. I said, sure, man. My parents are cool, whatever. Anoop came down to Virginia. We started making music. We turned my brother's closet into a recording studio. <laughs> so Nick was recording music. My friend Anoop was making the beats. And we're like, wow, man, look at us. There's brown guys making music for hip hop artists. Nobody is. You know, 2003, not something you saw, you know, and, and we were doing it on a local level, but it felt huge, you know, because we were early on the technology. So we were able to download software illegally and all that stuff that nobody else could do. So that helped us a bit. You know, oh, we, we couldn't afford Photoshop at the time. Download it illegally. You can't afford a, a, a beat making program download illegally. Back then, we were kids. We didn't even know. So we downloaded all the software, started making music and there was another Bengali guy that worked in Def Jam Records. For those who don't know what Def Jam Records is, legendary hip hop label, home of Jay-Z. You know, some of the biggest artists were signed to Def Jam. You know, everybody big in hip hop, ludicrous, everybody big that you can think of at that time was signed to Def Jam. It was one of the first hip hop record labels in America. And I found out a Bengali guy was working at Def Jam. It, made me say, oh my God, this is crazy. And it got the attention. Uh, Nick's music got his attention and said, hey, we might be able to sign Nick and we might be able to take you guys on tour after we sign him. I was like, how are we gonna go on tour? We have college. Like we still have to finish our studies. We still have got school. And started giving my dad a hint. Hey, maybe next semester I might have to take off. Because if he gets signed to this deal, I'm going to have to, you know, go on the road and do the documentary. And, you know, we were talking all these crazy budgets. And now I'm having all these crazy dreams of having my best friend and I sign with this record label. And then we find out uh, 
the guy, not a not um, the Bengali guy, but the guy over him got fired. <laughs> Everything <laughs> fell apart. And it was yeah. funny is at the time, I didn't even know how to make a DVD, but I learned how to make it overnight. Uh, I didn't even know how to really edit videos. I only knew how to film that overnight. So I was like trying to balance school life and trying to balance learning all these new things in the video world by myself or oh, my, you know, to help my friend, we were learning all these new things and we we're like, Oh, we're going to be able to use all this. Uh, Cause we actually lied to them. At first they asked us, do you know how to make a DVD and make a menu and all this stuff? So yeah, sure. You know, we actually did it. We learned it on the spot. We delivered it to them. You know, they were impressed, yeah. but I was so heartbroken when, uh, uh, the main president at the time got fired and the president that was about to sign our friend got fired. And I was like, you know what? Go and, uh, let's be real. We just got to stick to computer science. This is where we're going to get our job in this, this music industry thing's not happening. Who are we kidding? We're in Virginia. Nobody takes us seriously, but that DVD got the attention of Pharrell's new artist. So Pharrell had just signed an artist to that same record label, Def Jam. Now, so it got the attention of him and he was local. And so now we're back to the drawing board again. We're like, oh, hopes are back up again. And now it's on another level. And now Pharrell's artist invited us to Pharrell's studio. And I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? I can't believe we're in the studio. We're playing him our de demo DVD that we made for Nick. He's impressed. He's like, man, you gotta be my guy that's doing all my videos. I was like, no way. And again, I didn't care about the money, anything. I just was hungry you know and uh one of the other guys that worked at pharrell's label his name was mick mick said hey why don't we make you a college rep for the record label i said that would be a dream come true again i didn't know what any of this really meant it's like an internship i didn't care about the money i just said whatever you guys need um i'll i'll be there so now me and philip are struggling to finish all our classes balancing going to pharrell's studio i would meet push a t from the clips you know push a t is now signed to kanye west at the time, he was signed to Pharrell. And so now Pusha is seeing my work. He's like, do you want to do our album cover next? I mean, a mixtape cover? I said, that'd be amazing. Again, had no experience that was on a professional level. We made it. We made this uh, mixtape cover. It was their first mixtape cover. When we made that cover, he wanted to make some changes. And he said, hey, man, come to Pharrell's house, and we'll make the changes there. I said, what? So I'm excited, but I'm not thinking Pharrell's going to be there. He's a busy guy. He's traveling. Yeah. Soon as I enter the house, Pharrell's there at his computer. And again, he's like a hero to us. You know, at that point, he had worked with everybody. Diddy, Jay-Z. There was nobody that you couldn't listen to on the radio that he produced for. Every song on the Billboard charts, Beyonce, whoever it was, Pharrell worked with him. And so that felt like a dream that day. Again, and I feel so stupid now thinking back at it. I was trying to explain to Pharrell like how I did the graphics and it wasn't that great looking back at it. But here I am explaining, yeah, you know, I'm going for a vintage look, you know, and here's Pharrell who's seen millions of album covers. I'm trying to explain to him my process. And he's like, okay, cool, you know? <laughs> so it's funny back at it, you know? So that was another phase in my life, you know, That's getting close. But it started to open up that difficult conversation because it was coming close to graduation. Yeah. And we had finally graduated. We built up our resumes working under Pharrell's label. And it came to a point when Pharrell had a TV show. He trusted us to do the logo. We did the logo. That was my first check that I ever got from Pharrell. That, you know, it wasn't like Pharrell handed it to me. It was one of Pharrell's um, good friends, Doug. So here's a check. I'm like, I look at Pharrell Williams on the signature. I take it to the bank. They, you know, scamming. <laughs> it's a fraud. I was like, no, now they're calling, bank is calling for us. It's like, this is a real check, but yeah. yeah. Looking back at it, that check was so small. I shouldn't even cash. I should have framed it, <laughs> you know, looking back at it because the sentimental value would have been greater. Yeah. And so that's when it started because I finally graduated. My parents were like, what do you want to do? I was like, why don't you give us six months to figure it out. I don't want to go get a job immediately. Give us six months. So it was summertime. Those six months, I, me and my friend went on overdrive. 
we tried to get everybody we could to work with us. More and more local artists in Virginia starting to get signed to big labels. We started charging. Now we could start charging money because we had a portfolio with working for Pharrell's label. Now we're starting to charge money. So my parents are saying, okay, okay, they're making a little bit of money, but this is nowhere near what you can make when you're in computer science. But the money I made and my friend made, we combined it. And so when we combined that money, we were able to get our first office space. And so that's how Elusive Media Office began. And we started finding more like-minded people. And by this time, it was like 2005, uh, 2006, I think, something around, around that time. And at that time, um, we started becoming a well-known name in the local market, but people all across the country and world were starting to come to us because we had created a website, we had an official office, we spent whatever savings we had in that to prove to my parents that hey, this, this is an actual potential you know, career option. But our main job was still doing web design. We still weren't really doing videos like that. We were just filming behind the scenes. It was the websites that was paying bills. And it wasn't until one day Shay, who was part of NERD, came back to me and said, hey, Pharrell needs a website in five days. We were supposed to do a website for Pepsi for this collaboration we did, and nobody can pull this off in five days. Can you guys do it? We were crazy, and we said yes. We had to create a whole interactive uh, website that was a replica of Virginia Beach, all the landmarks and everything. And then we get, got even more ambitious. We recreated the Neptune Studio, which is for our studio. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did all this stuff using our computer science knowledge and our design knowledge that we kind of taught ourselves and made this website. And what we forgot to do is ask, you know, how much this is going to actually, you know, pay. And yeah. we weren't used to asking for big invoices. We were doing like small websites, $2,500 a year, $5,000 there. So we, one of my business partners at the time that joined us, we asked him, you know, can you call Pharrell's manager and actually ask him how much we should charge? Because we don't know how much we should charge. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. just uh, invoice us $30,000. Here we are. We did five days worth of work. I'm 22, 23 years old. I'm getting between three of my friends. We just made $30,000 in one week. And I show my parents, look, it got wired to our account. My parents were like, wow. Okay. This is pretty cool. Like you guys are, that was a big check for us at the time. $30,000 was a lot when you're just starting out yeah. your business. Five days That's worth of work. Some people aren't in a year, you know, you know, that's what some yeah. people learn. You made that in three, uh, five days. And that's when we got even more confident about our business. And that allowed us to reinvest in our business. And um, that website yeah. got uh, a lot of because not only was Pharrell a client for that, but so was Pepsi because it was a Pepsi can. And behind the can, it had the website we created. So think about how many Pepsi cans are out there with the website we created for going to that website. And when you go to that website we created, it also had a link to our website. So it's free advertising for us. We couldn't have a better opportunity to showcase our work. And Onik Manush Takashirukursi website. Onik Manush Kontek And everything was fine. Just the work kept building up. Got the attention of a lot of international artists. And um, we were starting to do more and more video, but not seriously. It was still web design. It wasn't until 2008 or was it 2009, the recession happened and it hurt hard business. Less people wanted websites and we were growing too fast. As a company, we hired more people. We had two offices by then. And when that happened, we had to shut down. You know, it reminded me of when COVID came, it was, uh, we were uncertain what our future was going to be. And then... I'm starting to get to age where my parents are pressuring me. You should get married. And I'm like, ah, I was ready financially then, but now I don't feel ready, you know? And when that happened, I went ahead and kind of put elusive media on hold. And a lot of people were like, man, what are you, doing? are you putting your company on hold? You guys did all this work. You guys got a huge portfolio now, Pepsi and all these different clients. 
and you guys are deciding to put everything on hold. I'm like, look, man, I got to grow up. I got to get a real job stability. So the best thing I can do is try to get a job at a university that was more on the media side. And that's when I met my friend, Eleanor. And my friend Eleanor got me the job at a university as a media uh, supervisor. So I was applying all the skills I had. It was similar to what I did for my company, but now I had a salary. Not the biggest salary, but it was steady, you know, steady income. Uh, at that time, again, my parents were trying to get me to find somebody, you know, uh, do all the typical Bengali matchmaking stuff. And then I'm not taking it that seriously. I go to Bangladesh. And my cousin sends me a photo of somebody. Uh, and I was like, oh, this person looks nice. Uh, let's go meet them. Which that person ended up being my wife. I, 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 after many, several matchmaking trials, unsuccessful meeting many people, saw my wife, instantly fell in love. Oh, it's she, a scar on the hand story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was being honest and she was just like, um, you know, do you care about this? I said, no, I don't care. You know, I, that's, uh, uh, what I care about is your personality and, 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 and your smile is amazing. And, uh, just, it was like love at first sight. I know people say they don't believe in that for me. As soon as we met, we went to this restaurant, we left the restaurant. I told my dad, I think this is the one. And we started Skyping and, you know, months later we got married. And uh, I was still at the university, had a steady job. My wife never really asked me, like, you know, what kind of work did you really do in the past? You know, didn't really, I never like told her, like I was working with guys like Pharrell and all these people, you know? And so she just thought, oh, just a guy that works at a university, you know? And so finally, when she came to the US, um, she was starting to see that on the side, on the weekends, I would do film shoots and I was starting to get more passionate about filmmaking. And around that time, uh, Pusha T, who was Pharrell's artist, bought me a camera. His brother too, his brother, no uh, malice. He, they, they together bought me a camera and I would just shoot stuff for them on the side, but I was still going to the university. The nine to five life was starting to kill my creativity. I was grateful for the job, but I started to create my creativity. And my wife was like, you should really pursue your dreams. I really feel like even though this doesn't seem stable, I support you 100%. And I was like, look, if we stay in Virginia Beach, we're not going to get far in this video world. Like, I think I've already done work with everybody I could. And so I was surprised, you know, we're a newly married couple and she's willing to take the risk already of quitting a job, potentially. And... The work I was doing on the side got the attention of uh, one of my friends that I had met online named Julian, and he was working for a company called Karma Loop. And Karma Loop was a pioneer at the time in, in the world of fashion because they were selling almost every brand that was attracting like the 18 to 25-year-old uh, demographic. So a lot of cool clothes shoes, sneaker collectors, they were all going to that uh, website to buy clothing, but they wanted to build up their marketing side. And so when he had seen the work I was doing on the side, he said, hey, you know, we're based out of New York now. And guess who's the creative director of our company? Pharrell. <laughs> I was like, oh, no way. And my wife was like, you should really try to get this job. And I think Pharrell would give you a good uh, recommendation, you know? Uh, to get the job. So Julian and Pharrell both recommended me. We moved to New York and New York is very expensive. So it's very risky. You know, I was comfortable staying with my parents at home. And suddenly we're in New York. We take this job, much bigger salary, but not the biggest, but twice as much as what I was making at the university. But New York is also twice as expensive. So now we're, uh, you know, we moved to Jackson Heights in New York and Queens, which is uh, for those who don't basically second mile of this, you know, yeah. like, well, we'll sometimes we're outside, you know, uh, yeah. so my wife felt very comfortable. She, she, even though, you know, all her family was back home, she was able to adjust really easily. 
us making that move made her even more comfortable. And a lot of my aunts from my dad's side was uh, also living in Jackson Heights. So they were all in the same apartment building. And so they would cook for us. We'd go to much more family parties and made it easier for my wife to get, you know, adjusted to America. Uh, it was a good transition. And with Karma Loop, we met so many people, you know, we met Diplo, uh, through Diplo, we got to work with Beyonce, uh, working with Beyonce, that led to Mark Ronson, all these people. But Karma Loop was starting to fall apart from the, um, uh, the retail side of the business. The online shop wasn't doing well, but our TV channel that we created was doing really well. So I started to have to think like, you know what, I think we need to find a new opportunity. So two years in New York, I'm kind of scared. I'm like, you know, New York is expensive. If we don't have a full-time job, I'm going to be in big trouble. Uh, but luckily, Karma Loop allowed me to meet so many people. And Karma Loop is where I met ASAP Rocky and ASAP Ferg. And in 2012, ASAP Rocky was everywhere. TV, movies, you couldn't escape him. Fashion runway, he was everywhere. So he was the biggest name. And I was one of the few directors that was working with him and Ferg. And so that also, you know, and so timing was perfect for me. Kind of lucky, you know, obviously we have to work hard, but sometimes everything just has to come together, right? And, and at that point, I wasn't working with Pharrell as much, but Rocky was the next big thing. You know, so I got lucky, you know, before our claim to fame was working with Pharrell. And now all of a sudden, you know, my brother is producing music for ASAP Rocky and Ferg and I'm doing the videos. So now my brother is starting to get in the industry, but he was going to the same college as I was, you know, studying accounting like my dad. And he was going through the same thing I was going through again, you know, at the same time. Uh, but eventually, as we were looking for a new job and leaving Carmeloop, a friend of mine, Joseph Patel, who was a mentor, Joseph Patel was somebody that used to work at MTV. And he was one of the few Indian guys I knew in this business, one of the few brown guys I knew at the business at the time. And so he was a mentor to me and I always looked up to him and he was like, Hey, you want to work for the company that I had just started at? And so Fader magazine was a very respected um, online magazine. And, and, and uh, they had a YouTube channel that they wanted to develop. And they thought my expertise would be perfect, especially with, at the time, I was really good at taking low budget videos and making them bigger. That's exactly what they needed. And so Joseph, you know, provided a great opportunity, got to meet the Migos and all these other new guys there. But I started realizing, you know, I'm having to say no to a lot of people too, working nine to five, because at this point my connection is building up. And so when Eminem, his label reached out to me to do a documentary. I had to say no because I was working at the fader. And so imagine having to say no to Eminem, like one of my favorite rappers growing up in high school is offering me to go on the road to do a documentary. I had to say no. And more and more of those types of opportunities are coming, but also working a nine to five was exhausting. I was starting to get a little bit sick. And so my wife was like, you know what? I really think you should bring back elusive media full time and I'll help you with everything. Cause my wife at the time was going to school, but she was really coming to like to all my sets and taking mental notes and learning everything. So she was learning a lot and she was always good with the money side of things and how to save money. You know, she's good with money and that's perfect. Like for production, because you want to be able to, you know, make something amazing for less and so I had uh, written my resignation letter to Fader, told him I appreciated the opportunity, but I really think I need to branch out on my own. And I think it's going to be best for my health. And so now it's just me and my wife running this production company. Honestly, we were doing everything based on self-taught experiences and not the professional way. But that's what made our style unique. That's why we were able to offer a certain level of projects for way lower budgets. But as soon as we uh, left my nine to five job, 
I got offered like one of my first biggest budget videos and I didn't know what to do, you know, because I was used to working with small budgets. All of a sudden it's like, here, this much money. I was like, oh my God, how are we going to do this? But I signed with an agency that sort of started teaching me how to, uh, you know, uh, do the work. The cool thing about the agency was they let me use my production company when I wanted and work with them. So that agency was teaching me how to do professional budgets, teaching my wife how to do professional budgets. And that's what expanded our company even more. And by then we were working with Mark Ronson. And again, timing is crazy. Mark Ronson had the biggest single out at the time with Bruno Mars. And so, you know, like, so like at that time we started, it was just me and my wife to suddenly 50 people working for our crew. That's a big leap. We were never used to that. We used to have 10 people max on set. Now all of a sudden 50 people. And so that's, that's what landed us here. So like, you once said that white dudes walk around the country like they own the land and used to feel you used to feel this way back when you were in Bangladesh. So now that you're working with the biggest stars, you know, chilling with Drake and working with Pharrell, do you feel that in USA too? Um, you know, the US experience is a lot different. I think being in US humbled me the struggles in the beginning, you know, seeing that my parents who had a great job, sacrificed it all to come to this country. We had nothing, you know, my dad came here with $200 in his pockets, you know, so it humbled me and experiencing those hardships made it easy to deal with future hardships. So when I moved to New York, I was able to face those struggles seeing that my dad went through those struggles made it easier to handle those struggles because I was mentally prepared at this point and as far as when you say like do I feel that same level of privilege no not really I think I think I think you know obviously there's a lot of things going on in U.S. politically and there's still a lot of work to do as far as far as civil rights and justice goes uh, but I think we are moving I think a lot of people starting you know especially my company like our company is very diverse and not intentionally we just hired a lot of people that we thought were great but happened to be that you know one of my producers mexican another one is black another one is white like not by choice we're not looking at race and picking them but i think what makes it different is i think other companies do look at race <laughs> we don't we just go with whoever's the friendliest and the best to work with. And I think when you're open-minded and you don't care about those things, you don't judge people, you're going to have diversity. I think, I think having a diverse company is not hard as get out to. I think it's these other people that are not open-minded and don't open their Rolodex. And, you know, so like our, 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 our company also operates like a family, you know, like when we do a job, some of these guys will stay at my house and, and just, you know, do everything for us. You know, it's, it's a family. And so, so they'll stop everything, do everything for us. And, and, and um, it's, it's, it's been a great experience you know, seeing that. And like, you know, talking about hardship, of course, you've met a lot of people and worked with them before they became mega stars, right? Like Diplo, Drake, Weekend, you knew them before the people they are now. So, not the uh, weekend, he, but Diplo and Drake. Oh, okay. So, yeah, you also work with the weekend, though, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. When I work uh, with the big. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right. Uh -huh. Yeah. When I work so, with Diplo, we just did the video for free, you know, or like four hundred dollar yeah. budget or something ridiculous. Yeah. You know. So when we um, uh, Ace Hockey and Ferg, they were just starting to become big. Yeah. So, you know, when you work with these polarizing characters, these people who some people almost worship, right? Have you seen any like similar characteristics in all of them, which you think attributes to their success or to their fame or something people could learn from them? You know, I get along the type of artists I get along with 
are very like-minded, friendly, humble. Um, sometimes there's an online persona they see is not really them, you know. In real life, these guys are yeah. Some humble of the nice- isn't the word I first think about when I think of you know people like ASAP Rocky, but yeah, uh, you know what's funny? Yeah, white in your set. I've seen that man come to my set and he'll move this light and do that. He's not too good to do. And that's why we get along. You know, we've co-directed yeah. a lot of videos because yeah. deep down, the reason we get along is those guys also have a love for film uh, and uh, art. And those are the types of artists I get along with more. The ones that truly love not just making music, but also love film. And those are the ones that really attract uh, my circle, you know, like that's why those are the types of guys I usually work with. A lot of the times my situation is different. You know, the average director in America that works with a big artist, they don't really know the artist. They have an agent that gets them that work. My situation is different. I'll meet an artist, become friends with them. Like when I met ASAP Ferg, I was friends with him for a year before I even did a video for him. You know, we were just hanging out. We were just watching movies together we'd go to a restaurant together just because we thought we had a lot of similar tastes and art and so that's just my style you know that's just how i roll you know like for me it's got to be an organic relationship you know very rarely do i work with artists that i barely know like yeah i didn't really know the weekend like that um that happened because of the project he you know belly and weekend did together but I met Belly because uh, the guy that was working at uh, their label loved what I did for Rocky. And then Belly was also friends with Rocky. So it's like one person's friends with another. You develop a friendship with them or, or a close relationship with them. You know, they end up following you on social media and stay in touch, you know. And, and so, you know, like ASAP Ferg lives like 10 minutes from my house, you know. And I convinced him to move to New Jersey, you know, and he was wanting to move to Los Angeles, New Jersey, uh, you know, and, and things like that. You know, we, we talk about regular things, you know, we have fun. We just, it's not always about music and it's not always about work. We talk about random things all the time. And, and I think that's been amazing, you know, like just building that kind of relationship with these artists, seeing them from a different angle, you know, that other people see them. You know, and I think that's why there's a com- level of comfort there. A lot of yeah, the times sure. we're together with each other, you know, a lot of artists can be temperamental and you don't know what they're going through. And so you say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing on set, they can walk away. And that's why they're not yeah. just going to hire a director. Yeah. Knowing how to work with rap artists because they're misunderstood is art in itself. You know, sometimes they can be moody and you just have to be like, you know what, you probably had a bad day. Don't bother him too much. Maybe go easy on him and figure out how to shoot certain scenes without him. And, you know, you just, it's a lot of psychology involved. A lot of, um, a lot of, lot of emotion, you know? Sometimes, you know, people forget that they're also normal human beings who go through normal stuff and like to talk about the weather or how their lunch was, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your music videos. So I know that in Ric Flair Drip, the paint on the piano dried like minutes before the shoot, right? So um, are there any other fun stories from other music videos that comes to mind? So many. There's so many. Like name a music video and I'll tell you a funny story about it. Uh, you know, just name like the first two that pops up or the most recent ones um I'm trying to think i'm trying to think funny story i mean in general when i do a music video we have a shot list half the time we throw away half the shots and these other bigger ideas come to life you know and that's how the magic happens right so um for example uh, when we were working with uh, ASAP Rocky on Multiply, we're filming the video 
at that point, ASAP Rocky was getting a lot of big budgets, but he started feeling like all his videos were looking so big. He wanted to kind of scale down again. And he knows that I can shoot guerrilla style. And so we were filming with our film permits in the middle of the Bronx in New York. And all these cops showed up and we're like, oh man, we're all going to get arrested. We got all these cameras. Everybody's wearing all these gang colors. Looks a little crazy, you know, but it's just a film, you know, it's just a film set. When the cops came, they recognized them. They're like, look, I'm not going to write you guys up. Just sign an autograph for my daughter. <laughs> and I'm going to let you guys go. <laughs> that happens a lot of the time. Be on video shoots. Majority of the times we're permitted, but sometimes you <laughs> don't permit because it's a smaller budget and you go run and gun or you got an idea uh, to shoot somewhere and you just got to know how to deal with people, you know, and you have to have charm, you know, like sometimes um, you're filming at somebody's house and they might not want you to shoot at a certain room. You have to work your charm, you know, and those kinds of things happen all the time, you know, even like for Ric Flair drip, I mentioned it, you know, like a lot of the houses weren't letting you smoke weed and, you know, rappers for them, yeah. <laughs> like drinking water, <laughs> you know, it was a challenge yeah. finding the right. And that in itself was an adventure. Um, so many different things. I mean, so many videos. I, I feel like I've done, um, Another funny one was uh, not what happened on set, but when I was doing Ava Max's video, uh, Sweet But Psycho, when we did that video, she just got signed, but she was not a big artist. And so I knew Ava when she was like 15. So I was working with her when she was young. We made her website. 10 years later, she got a record deal. Comes to us for Sweet But Psycho to shoot that video. because She trusts us because we were like family. I knew her brother really well. We were, I've been friends with her brother for a long time. And so he trusted me to do her first official big project. And so when that, like, cool, you know, it's not the biggest budget, but let's do something fun and edgy. Try to make like a horror movie, something different. The record label at the time was like, ah, this is a little too crazy. This concept, I don't know, it's a little edgy. Like, no, we fought for our vision. And we said, no, we're going to make it edgy. And they're like, all right, all right. You guys go ahead and make something crazy with axes and all this crazy stuff, right? The video comes out, 10,000 views. I'm like, eh, that's what I expected. It wasn't going to be that big. Suddenly, as months go by, it's picking up in Sweden. So it blows up in Europe first. Months go by, now it's on the radio. So here's a video that was 10,000 views when it first came out. And now it's my highest viewed video. I think we just hit 700 million, you know? And so the so Sweet But Psycho got 700 million. Ric Flair Drip, that video almost didn't happen because the song was bigger. A song was already big. When it didn't have a video, it sold a million records. So the label's like, yeah, what's the video going to do? I said, please let us do this video. I swear it'll improve the uh, streaming. We did the video, got 400 million views on that video. And the song ended up selling six times more than what it did before. So 7 million, you know, not street. I think, I think it's like a hundred million or something is considered platinum. So this one did 700 million streams on the song and 400 million streams on the YouTube. So just between Ava Max and um, Ric Flair Drip, we have like, you know, 1.1 billion or something, right? And yeah. then we, uh, Yamborghini High with ASAP Rocky, didn't know that was going to be big, ended up getting 100 million. And so we started looking at all these artists. Sometimes those videos felt like they were going to be a disaster, but it ended up getting 100 million. Joey Badass's video ended up getting, you know, I think... 40 million uh the weekend's video ended up getting 50 million so like combined i think we have like two million two billion plus views now so it's it's kind of crazy never in my life did i think we'd get this much exposure with all the work and now it's led to us doing tv and uh, now we're working on you know television yeah um yeah so that is crazy you know like 
relationships you've built, say, 10 years ago, then became, then went on to became something, a really big and, part of your career, right? That's why you never, never dismiss anybody, never yeah. uh, treat anybody, you know, like beyond them or above them, because you never know who's that next person. Yeah, yeah that's true. So as we wind down to the end of the interview, you once said that one of the most difficult things we do is to top ourselves, you know? So how do you plan on topping yourselves uh, in the near future? I think exploring new technology. For me, I'm starting to get bored of just your typical cinema viewing experience. I'm really exploring uh, VR. So I'm teaching myself um, Blender 3D because it's a free app again. So I'm yeah. teaching myself. Even though we have people we can hire out, I always like to be hands-on, you know? Like we have yeah, people same. that can do work, but I still like to learn it. I like to learn the technology. And I think the future of filmmaking is going to be all 3D and VR. And you'll be able to probably film everything on one set and everything will look just as real as a real set, you know? So topping myself means staying up to date with the latest technology. And I think that's how we're going to top ourselves is, is create new experiences, create movies that are going to be interactive and virtual, like a video game almost, you know, but still with amazing story. At the end of the day, the story is still important. Like no matter how much better the tool, the, the, the story is something that's still what's going to sell. Yeah, that's right. So before we move on to the last question, just like a little fun fact about me, like since you studied engineering or computer science, I'm also studying uh, civil and environmental engineering, but I do plan on becoming like a fashion designer or doing something creative, you know? And I have so many friends who, um, especially in Bangladesh, you know, because the parents' pressures are like, you have to become a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer, but in reality, they want to go into a creative field. So lastly, do you have any advice for the people wanting to branch out, do their own thing? Can you share some experiences from your past that maybe um, made you feel like, okay, this is what I want to do. And can you give some advice to what they should do if they're in a situation like yourself? My advice would be is, I think the next generation is going to get easier, but even still for this generation. And I also don't think like, comes to filmmaking and and art you can teach that yourselves you know i think a formal education is still important without getting yourself into crazy debt um i think what you'll take from what you're studying whether it's civil engineering or computer science you could still apply that so think about that right you're going to bring something unique to the art the art will happen if the art is good enough and if you're doing what you love, you could do that and still balance. Uh, it's always good to have a backup plan. So yeah. having this not a bad idea, honestly, because it may not work out in the arts. There's a little bit of luck involved. You know, the stars have to align, you know? So I would say do both, you know? Create a portfolio on the side and see if that takes you somewhere, but never give up that plan A or B. Sometimes your plan A might be the art. Sometimes the plan B might be the engineering or vice versa. Go with what you feel comfortable with and follow your heart. That is actually very solid advice. That is advice that people need to hear. You know, it's not like, yeah, stop all your work. Go for it. Just do it. And you'll succeed. It's genuine advice. It takes years. It takes years. Yeah. It's not gonna happen. Right? Uh, exactly. I didn't see doing what I did as on the art side of things for the first five years, first six years. Didn't see a check. Not a single penny. I didn't even know what invoice was. So you just have to uh, kind of, you know, you got to take your risks. But for me personally, I don't take risks to a level where I'm betting all on everything. You know, and it saved me many times, you know, having that college degree still got me a higher salary, even working in the media business. They still look at your college degree. Unfortunately, they're still very old school and traditional. 
the guy that has the college degree, even if it's not in the field you're working in, is still going to get the higher pay than somebody who doesn't have the degree. It's just the reality. Yeah. All right. So thank you, Bhav, for talking to me. It has been a pleasure. I was quiet for most of the conversation just because how polarizing you were and how into <laughs> your conversations I was. So, you know, like studying up on you for the last one or two days, I've been really looking forward to this and I'm really glad that we could have this conversation. So thank you for being a part of the show.